was asked recently, what brings me joy in teaching in the face of all the challenges of teaching in a pandemic, I was reminded of a moment somewhere between uh, March of 2020 and the present, February of 2022, and it was last school year. And things were really difficult in society in general, perhaps most visible in regards to the challenge of educating our students in a pandemic. Families grappled with all of the things that this pandemic threw at them. Teachers and school personnel worked to adjust to the ever-changing guidelines, demands, frustrations, and the very public support and the very public criticisms. Students looked to parents and they looked to us to see how they should navigate. And miraculously, there was some learning that transpired. Some of it was not always intentional, but some of it was through trial and error. And I want to think back to one day, and I want to be really honest about that day. I was a 26-year veteran at that time. We were beginning our class meetings on Google Meet. All of my students were at home, but projected on my whiteboard as I sat alone in my classroom trying to get both my cheapest of the cheap video camera and, the sound, and my big old desktop computer to work together while I was trying to take attendance, look calm, cool, and collected with a class that hadn't even been given a chance to build any sort of community. <laughs> for some reason, my camera would work for a little bit and then the sound would go off. And then the camera would work, but the sound wouldn't work. And my students were extremely patient. They also took the opportunity to give me 30 plus suggestions, maybe more, in the chat. I tried many of them. This had been such a stressful beginning of the year. After the dramatic remote of the end of the last school year, ending with us going remote, and me not getting to see my kids again because they went on to the junior high because I teach sixth grade. So starting out this school year, none of us thought we would be beginning like this. Students had come to our back doors with their parents one at a time prior to the first day for the meet the teacher. And our school district had punted doing the best that they could, giving us a bunch of Google Apps training. But nothing prepared me for things to go so badly. I had been online last year. I thought I knew what I was going to be doing. In that moment when everything was just going wrong and my tech was going bad, I could see the kids smiling faces, but I could see them getting a little frustrated. I had to do something. As the sweat poured down my back, I knew not only was I missing the opportunity to do a great start, but there were probably parents in the background witnessing my worst moment of my career. I just had to pull it together. I looked at the clock. I told the kids we were going to take a 15-minute snack or stretch break, and I would be seeing them at the top of the hour. They all responded with a thumbs up in the chat. I, gave, I, I shut down the meat, and I gave myself two minutes to let the tears stream down my face.
two minutes where I just gave in to the feeling. I'm not a crier. And I blew my nose and then I searched for a coworker because I knew I had 13 minutes to try to get everything to work. My coworker across the hall said, use your laptop. I had my laptop in my bag and the people at the office knew my computer wasn't working and so they were getting me a help ticket. Eventually, the tech people did come a few days later and we had had our rooms painted. Something had been messed up and it wasn't all my fault. But little did I know that didn't help me at that moment. My laptop worked. And at the top of the hour, I had all the students back on the call ready to go. I took a deep breath. And then I asked them that to get out their sacred writing journal, which would be their notebook for the school year, make sure their pencil was sharpened. And I saw them excited to get out their new pencils. Yes, you can use your mechanical pencil if you want. And I said, I want you to write about a time when you felt like everything had gone wrong, but later realized it wasn't that bad. They all began to write. I could hear the sound of the pencils etching. I saw the look of determination in their eyes. I saw some of them really admiring how cool their pencils were, which is part of the magic. And when I sat back, I realized that this was joy for me. They were writing. We were a class. And as I took a breath, I looked at the chat and I saw a little message from one of the students. And it said, good job, Miss Wiseman. I knew you could do it. Joy swelled in my heart and for the second time that day. A tear slid down my face. Welcome, friends. Thank you for tuning in to a new episode of our TwigCast. My name is Patty Wiseman Adams, your host, with my producer, Jody Braun, in the background, ready to work his magic on this podcast. Our Twig group last met in December of 2021, last year. And we discussed reflection. Today, I am lucky enough to have two of our, of our Twig fellows joining me. These two wonderful ladies have agreed to kind of have a conversation about what's going on in the classroom and to focus on joy. It's been a little difficult during this pandemic for some of us educators to find the joy in our teaching. So we thought we might have a little conversation and kind of remind some of you that there is joy out there to be found. So joining us today, Daisy Martin, um, she teaches seventh grade and ELA at Sage Valley Middle School in the Nampa Caldwell area. And she is joined by Rachel Barr, who also teaches in the Valley View School District at Ridgeview High School. And she teaches 10th grade English and seniors um, in the AP realm. So she kind of has a little different, but yet the same. They're both doing the ELA and English route. So ladies, I want to say welcome. So glad to have you, and it's been such a joy to work with you um, 
with in Twig and have you join us last fall. So welcome to 2022. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be talking with you. So I wanted to start out, I kind of talked about um, in our, in the story at the beginning, I kind of gave a, um, my own little take on joy or having a day that started out without very much joy and kind of having my students remind me just how joyful learning can be, or even seeing them learn. I'm just kind of wondering, how are you guys doing? And maybe I'll start, Rachel, with you. How how has finding your joy been this during this pandemic in the high school realm? Um, you know, it's been hard <laughs> to be honest. And this last year has actually been harder teaching than when we were in hybrid. Our school this year has gone solidly straight through full days, no breaks. And I think the kids are feeling that. Um, the adjustment of coming back and so are teachers and really I've said multiple times this year there are two things that have helped me refocus my joy one is that I'm a Boise State Writing Project fellow this year and so I have that community to lean on and two has been being a twig fellow (laughs) and having that community to lean on and today I was walking around the room listening to some of my kids who'd prepared a conversation in their table groups. They've done research and brought articles together to talk about. And I just wasn't sure if letting go and letting them guide their own conversations as sophomores was going to work out. Cause you know, sometimes it's great. And uh, sometimes they stare at each other. And <laughs> they started just having really cool conversations about deforestation and how that can affect the world. And then they connected deforestation to climate change and just started making all the domino effect connections of how the topics we've been researching can connect to each other. And so my joy has come from the moments where all the things that I've talked about with Twig and all of the things I've talked about with the writing project have actually panned out the way that I had hoped in the classroom. And it doesn't happen every time, but it's happened enough times that I've realized that in a normal year, whatever that looks like now, I think I could reproduce it regularly. Ah, that just gave me chills. Daisy, what about for you, like listening to Rachel and um, kind of her experience on how she's able to replicate that magic? What what have you been noticing with seventh graders? I know um, a little different scenario, but I'm sure that you have seen some of these same types of instances occur. Absolutely validate everything that Rachel said and I can remember being quarantined and teaching virtually and uh, teaching on the hybrid schedule and all we could say that year it was the year before this one was I can't wait for next year next year it will be better we will have all of our kids back and that's we we need some regularity to the schedule um and now I, uh, you know, we're pretty embedded in this year. And I'm thinking, what were we thinking? <laughs> because I feel like we're all first year teachers again. Um, and, uh, but I will say one thing that uh, brings me joy, and I want to give props to my girl, Rachel, is uh, one thing that brings me joy is knowing that I can send my kids to high school because we feed into Ridgeview. And I know that in ELA, 
they cannot go wrong. Every, every teacher up there is fantastic. And so props to the ELA team up there. Um, but, you know, we came back to in the middle school level and it's the high school level as well. We had the whole TikTok challenge uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, thank God and knock on wood that has tapered off. But I know in the middle school, we had um, some behavior problems and, uh, and, and just really little tough nuggets, you know, to, to crack. And um, I can remember I got cussed out uh, earlier on in the year and I'm no, you know, wilting flower, my name notwithstanding. And I didn't, <laughs> you know what? I, I just was so depleted and I am not kidding you when I tell you I took the next day off and the day after that I laid in bed. Um, I watched back-to-back -back episodes of Downton Abbey and just chilled out and was able to get to a place where I could go back. And I'm, you know, I, I, I admit that because I want other people out there to know that there are some cracks in our armor sometimes and that's okay. But one of the things that I think brings me the most joy right now is seeing those same children start to emerge their depression is starting to lift they're, uh, they they're starting to know that they are safe they are having great conversations and I just feel like we've turned a corner in terms of behavior and we've been able to build relationships and just knowing that um, you, you, we don't know what happened while they were away from us but now that they're back it's it's such a relief so just seeing the kids starting to bloom so I, I would say that would be the thing that causes most joy in me well and I noticed like both of you um because of being fellows for our not only the I know Daisy is a former writing project fellow um out of Nevada and Rachel did her fellowship year um, this this past year, or this year. Right now, she's in her fellowship year. Um, but this wasn't Twig. We asked you to be a fall fellow um, just to kind of help us out. You were our first ever fall fellows for our group. And um, one of the things that we asked you to do is kind of write a little bit about your experience. And I have been privy to and and able to read both of your what you wrote and I kind of want to share that a little bit with our with our viewers and I, I want to start a little bit with Daisy because um, a quote that I took from something that you wrote you said and it goes along perfectly with what you just said about your kids and I think Rachel hit on this too it's it's amazing that you both it's like it's like you guys knew exactly which quote I was going to pick Daisy said they changed, they evolved, they grew. And I just think that is so powerful. But then I also heard, I also just heard Rachel saying, you know, about the conversations. And I can almost hear her students changing, evolving, and growing. And it's during a pandemic. So what have you noticed 
with the students in the changes, the evolution, and the growth during this time? For me, I think kids learned how to be students again. Um, when, when that fateful day, it was like March 17th of 2020, or I think that was the date, if I'm not mistaken, um, that they sent us home and we did not come back. So the students I have now never finished their fifth grade year. And then their sixth grade year for us, it was a hybrid schedule. So they came to school two days a week. So you don't finish fifth grade and you come to sixth grade the entire year, 40% of the time. And we had a lot of kids dropping off on those days when they were supposed to be online and, and doing their work. And so the, the kids that came back to us when, we, when, they, when they came into our classrooms, uh, at, in middle school at least, they were fifth graders. I felt like I was teaching fifth graders and I essentially was. So I, I figure about between the fifth and sixth weeks, um, they, were, they were in sixth grade now <laughs> and it took another five to six weeks and and when my seventh graders showed up I just you, you just lavish all sorts of praise on them and and just pour sugar on them and tell them what a great job they're doing and and now I feel like um I, I just have little sponges they're really uh, I I you know we we've talked about this before about how um you know you the the fear of of all of the learning that was lost and are they going to be behind and and that space um, so that they can be, you know, on par with where they should be. But I got to tell you, I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I, I just know they're, they're working hard and they um, they're glad to be back with one another. And I, I see joy in them because they get to be back in school and they're not always um, behaving the way they should, but they're, they're still, you know, happy for the, for the most part. And it's good to see, but uh, that, that evolved, that evolution happened just right before our eyes. And, and now they're the little sponges. So joyful about that. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to say I I cannot echo enough the idea that when they got there, they were the grade they left off in because my sophomores didn't experience a normal freshman year. They were hybrid. And so it took me a long time at the beginning of the year to remember that they don't know how to high school. Um, <laughs> they mm -hmm. haven't done it yet. And so much of high school is social too. It's about the events and the events weren't happening last year. And then when some of them came back, they only sort of came back. And even this year, when a lot more of it is back to normal, there's still some things like dances that aren't happening or happening in the way that they did before. And so all these traditions that you usually experience, they don't know what you know normal Sadie Hawkins is. They don't know what all the normal landmarks are in the year. But going along with that, like the social etiquette of a classroom, <laughs> it's always a little dicey when they're lowerclassmen on remembering basic yeah. things. But I said at the beginning of this year, I'm like, I feel like I'm teaching elementary school in terms of like, don't sharpen a pencil while I'm talking. That sort of 
really basic thing. But at the same time, while they struggled with that academically, and that was an adjustment, and like academic academics were a bit of adjustments, I do think that this group of kids has a tighter grasp on what matters in the world because of living through this pandemic as young, you know, young adults, really. Um, that when we have conversations about tough things, I always give the reminders of being respectful that you don't know what everyone's experience in the room is, but it's almost like it was never necessary to give the warning. They're so gentle with each other in that regard, and they're not gentle with each other in other regards, so it's not just their nature. It's they know what matters. Oh. Well, and that brings me to, I, Rachel, in, in your own, the quote I was going to um, bring up from your writing that I really thought was um, super cool is um, you said, um, you're always searching for critical thinking and perspective taking that students need, but trying to find activities that can do that work. And you asked a question in your writing well, what are we really doing here and what do we want for our kids? And I just thought that was such a profound question. And I think you just roundabout, even though you didn't know I was going to bring that up, you just kind of answered it right there. Like when you're talking about your students, what are we really doing here? You want them to be curious. You want them to be empathetic, critical thinkers. And it sounds like somehow the kids got there. Right? Yeah. Well, and the magic in that, well, we can play a part in it. Obviously, I think that that's important is recognizing that some of that is just allowing them to bring in what they have learned outside. And I don't think that curriculum mapping can account for that as much as we want to. That has to be something that's living in the moment in the room and letting kids bring who they are and what they know and letting them be experts on themselves and their lives and putting them in a community situation where they feel like they're welcome to do that. And this is the first year I feel like that's been something I learned how to do. And it was because someone at writing projects taught me about community circles (laughs) and it's been beautiful. (laughs) Well, and we all say we want to build community, right? And I think in every college um, course when they're teaching, you know, our, our new teacher candidates. I mean, we always say, you know, okay, got to build community, got to build community. But a lot of kids come out or a lot of new teachers come out and they're like, okay, but how, or, you know, each group is different. How do I do it with this group or this many kids at once, or in this subject area with this many minutes? I mean, Community is different depending on um, what you teach, where you teach, how you teach, what, you know, and, and what's going on in the world, you know. So I think it's really interesting that both of you have seemed to be able to um, to use the moment, right, to, to not use it as a deficit, but to, to build on that. And I, and I, and I love hearing Rachel say, I didn't know what to do, but I, I, I picked it up from other people. Like it's learning, right? We learn from each other and that just like makes my teacher heart like sing with joy because how often do we just close our doors and we don't really learn from the people who we could learn the most from one another. Well, and I think to to that point, 
it's something that we always say, like collaboration is so important, but so many places don't build in or offer the time for us to do that. And so when things like writing project or twig come up, everyone's initial reaction is, well, that's a lovely idea, but I'm already working so much. But I didn't sit down to log into Twig and feel like I was going to work. It was a joyful, rejuvenating experience every week. So I think once we open ourselves up to that, it becomes something that we fill our cup with. Well, do you think one of you would feel like for our listeners who maybe haven't, um, aren't familiar with our um, Tuesdays with Twig, which meets for an hour every other week, twice a month, um, maybe you could kind of share a little bit about, I know Rachel's referenced it a little bit, but like just how, what the experience has been like for you um, or if how it was different than what you expected in the beginning or anything else no, that you find it. relevant? Yeah, no, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I just came in with an open mind and was, I, you know, I, I can't even say I was surprised because the people who, um, who facilitate this amazing uh, program are like, I know, I know you guys, you're awesome. And so I knew it would be safe. I knew it would be fun. I knew it would be rigorous. I knew it would be challenging i knew that i would walk away with uh with activities that i could use in the classroom right away um i and i think my biggest takeaway oh my gosh i i you know coming into this school year just teaching argument which was our our focus this last fall and um how can argument build community and i thought wow um we don't have a lot of examples of people, you know, engaging in in discourse, civil or otherwise, uh, that it, that builds and and promotes, uh, you know, some some advancement for our world, um, and and yet you you pull, we pulled it off. It was it was really quite extraordinary, um, but the. Uh, I, the, I think the best thing was was one of these activities where we we taught kids to reflect on their thinking and 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 really hone in on that uh, that goal for our kids to you know when they think something and they believe something uh, but then they have more information they get more information they learn something and then they change their thinking or they modify or or add something. Um, and, and that was the one thing that I, I took and ran the most with mm-hmm. I, in this, in, in, cause we're doing argument right now. And we really focused one of our pillars that we've talked a lot about is it's okay to evolve. You don't want to get stuck in, in just thinking what you think and that's it. You're not open to any other new information. And um, it, it just was it, it was amazing. Um, and I will never not do that when I teach argument. So that's something that is permanent now for, in my practice. And Rachel, do you notice with the high schoolers? Um, I know with middle schoolers, I know it was sixth and seventh grade. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes it's a little bit easier for them to, to, uh, 
change their point of view based on somebody else's viewpoint. How, what are you noticing with your 10th graders and 12th graders with, with how are they able to have that same moment as Daisy students? Um, yes and no. I think that when, when they're in high school, there's a little bit more of a tendency to dig in because they feel like they know already. And <laughs> there's also the desire to get to the end point of the assignment, right? So if right. I tell you that changing your mind means it might take you longer to get to that end point, then you're going to say, well, what's the easy answer? <laughs> so the biggest uh-huh. challenge with my kids has been getting them to uh, be willing to take in all the information. And so when we had that same activity, um, in twig, I remember being like, next time we do this, cause we were doing argument already at the time. So I haven't got the chance to use it differently. Um, I like the idea of us going into a topic without me telling them that it's going to be about argument or that they're going to pick a side and look at it as just informational and not even pose the opportunity to do an opinion until after. So instead of the, you know, initial claim or the before I thought part, I kind of want to phrase it as our daily quick write that they're used to writing all the time. So they don't think about it as opinion at all. Mm-hmm. And then read into things because then once we form opinions and the information's already on the table, I think that sets up the idea of being willing to take in more information and change one's mind. But yeah, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of heel digging. And so I always joke with them because they are aware enough that I'll be like, listen, listen, our politicians dig their heels in. Do you want to be like them? Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of times that'll slow them down. I'll be like, do you see the left and the right side of the aisle making a lot of changes in their mindsets? And they're like, okay, okay, we get it. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's amazing that you're able to like use those real world um, things that are happening so that they can kind of to make those choices like is this really how you want your thinking to be um i i noticed in your writing too you you mentioned um that you had re rachel you had redefined intention like when you were setting out to plan your lessons and and i i know you just explained that but can you kind of talk about kind of before what your redefining intention was like how you kind of went through that process um, through your work with TWIG and the writing project and your work this, this, this year um, when you're setting those intentions for your class. Yeah. um, It's so simple that I kind of feel silly that it took this long to get there, but I, you know, I got my curriculum in instruction masters my first year of teaching. So like I was kind of, I was kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit and that I didn't really have the knowledge I needed to be able to utilize that in the right way. Mm-hmm. And so I knew all the steps, backward design. I knew I needed to make things relevant to kids, but it was all in a very theoretical way. And then I would get really frustrated when I couldn't figure out why that wasn't connecting with them, even with front loading and with all those things. And it was really using the empower model that uh, writing projects focusing on. Um, that's a book that Jeff Wilhelm wrote and he talks about stakes and that the kids have to see the stakes of every single thing they're learning. Even if it's something that, you know, is state required, if we can't give them stakes for why they should care that are outside of the classroom, then we have failed to give them a reason to buy in. And of course they are not going to buy in. 
which feels very, very harsh because there are times where we are asked to do things that we don't even have a context for ourselves. Right. But what that really came back to when I was reflecting on Twig is the idea that stakes are intention for the kids, that I can have all the intention in the world for what I want them to learn, but it doesn't matter if I know or think that that's going to be important for them if I don't find a way to truly help them understand and come to the realization for themselves that this thing is a valuable thing for them. Um, and I don't, I don't know that there's any way we can 100% of the time always succeed at that, obviously, but that has to be the target all the time. And that is it. That's a, it's a subtle shift, but it, it changes, it changes things, right? For it, it's that perspective, even for you, when you're planning, it sounds like that is a huge moment of, oh, I need to make sure that I'm getting this across to kids. And yeah. it's like before we just kind of expected them to do osmosis, know why we were teaching them what they were t- learning, right? Yeah. I, I, I am guilty of that. And it, you, should not feel, um, you should not feel silly for that because I think a lot of us have been there for years and years and years. You're, you're a little ahead of, uh, ahead of the game from me because it took me longer <laughs> than the average uh, person. But I'm looking um, also, I wanted to end, Daisy, there was something that you said that I think that I hear both of you reflecting on this um, from just even being, you know, seasoned teachers and you join this group and it's Daisy said in her blog that students write, change, reflect, explain how views morphed into something else, but they need to be brave. They were brave enough. And she said, that's a glorious thing. And I want to end with that, that you two were brave enough to join a group um, and and just give it a real like open-minded, totally all in, no like no poo-pooing around, like I don't have time for this. And totally you were brave, just like your students. And I just think that is, it is a glorious thing. And so I wanna thank you for, for all of the work that you've done with Twig. Um, And I want to let our listeners know that we are, like I said, we are revising uh, the way that we are structuring our meetings. We have four meetings in the spring and anyone is is welcome to um, join us. It's open. Twig was formed as a space for teachers to do this type of thinking that you've heard Rachel and Daisy talk about. And we really are working on identifying our principles and and trying to, you know, impact our teaching because we know that impacts our students. And so on... um... Twig.fun is our website. We also have some blogs that will be posted. um, And there are some podcasts. And it has been a joy to talk to you two today. Thank you so much. Thank you.